thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. All right, good morning. If you love Jesus, say I do. It's great to see all of you. I also want to make one more announcement in addition to Nathan's, and that is that on December 11th, so the week after we're at Overland Trail Middle, uh, I want to encourage you to be praying, thinking about... um, What you might want to give, we'll have a special offering that day where everything that comes in, we will give away to others uh, for the sake of outreach. And so that's going to be a fun day. And so it's kind of like a big generosity Sunday. So be praying, thinking about that. Um, More information to come on that, but that is coming December 11th. We've done that every year, and that's been a delight. So on that day, we'll give towards local outreach, national outreach, global outreach to help make a difference. Uh, So that's going to be great. Hey, um, if you have your Bibles, let's go Matthew chapter 5. Um, you guys okay? You ready to go? You feel good? Oh, good. You guys are vocal. I like that. Yeah, come on. We got some amen people today. That's, oh, there it is. Come on. So good. All right, come on. All right, I can keep going. All of you extroverts know how I feel right now. All right. Um, hey, we're in this series where we're digging in on uh, the Sermon on the Mount, but to be more specific, the Beatitudes. And really, the Beatitudes are like the preamble to the Sermon on the Mount. So the way that we've said it is Jesus is looking at the heart and its internal attitudes that impact decisions. And so we've talked about it really as like the attributes of a disciple. We've talked about it as uh, looking at our own hearts. And so last week we were on, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And today we're going to go to the next one, Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Father, we love you today. I thank you for each person in the room, online. I thank you for each person watching this years from now. God, we ask that we would be people that shine the light of Jesus in a dark world. And we lift up uh, even this next season. So we go into this Christmas season. We ask that we would be a people that are filled with supernatural peace. We ask that in a world where there's the temptation to live like filled with hate, anger, revenge, bitterness, we pray that we would be people that don't just live with peace, but that we would be peacemakers. God, we need your strength and your help to do that. It's so much easier to just not engage. It's so easy to just form a reason to not put myself into difficult situations and be passive. We ask that you would help us to look like Jesus. We love you. We honor you. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Years ago, I had the opportunity to have a meal with Daryl Scott. Daryl Scott, uh, he's a follower of Jesus and his daughter, Rachel Scott was killed in the Columbine tragedy. And I'll never forget just seeing this man's tears, listening to his story and and then he, he, he began to try to just take this dark, terrible tragedy and tried to tell people about Jesus through that horrible tragedy. But in the midst of that, just the pain and the hurt of losing his daughter, Rachel. And really, when you get down to the motive 
of the shooters at Columbine, there was this, there was this, we've been hurt. We, we, life is difficult. I've been violated. Life's been cruel. People have been cruel to me, so I'll be cruel back. When you think about it, that really is the temptation of humanity. It's really the temptation and it might not look as dramatic as that, but every single one of us have that temptation. You're cruel to me, I'll be cruel, cruel to you. The world hurt me, I'll be cruel back. That tit for tat, get revenge. That is the temptation. And here's Jesus. And Jesus is saying something that's contrary to the way that our flesh operates. And he says, happy, lucky, fortunate, blessed are those who make peace. So you're going to be tempted to make a fight. You're going to be tempted to make war. You're going to be tempted to make revenge. You're going to, you're, this, this goes against, and this would have gone against, I mean, culturally, Roman occupation, it would have been the people that ruled that had this strength of war. I'll do what I want. I will hurt, violate, kill, destroy those that I want to. And here Jesus, he looks at people and says, that's actually that, you, you think that's the way that you will feel happy and lucky, but actually happy and lucky and fortunate are those that make peace instead of make war, instead of those that fight. Now, here we are. I got your attention. That's good. That's fun. All right. This is, this is, this is so easy to talk about in church. This is easy to even pray at a prayer meeting. This is easy to talk about in a small group. And when we've been hurt, when we've been violated, it might not be in terms of, we might not fight back with revenge, but we will find a way, even if it's just speaking negatively, negatively of someone. We will find a way to comment. We will find a way, often through sarcasm. We will find a Christianese way to fight back. We, but we will often, this, so Jesus goes after this. He goes, what I'm going after is what's deep inside your heart. And can you be a person that genuinely makes peace. We see this in the example of Jesus. Of course, Jesus is prophesied of him in Isaiah 9 that he is the Prince of Peace. And when we look at his life, even as we've taken each beatitude, you can find the definition of how to live that out in the life of Christ. And Jesus, when we see him and he is arrested and Peter's like, let's go, wartime, pulls out the sword, cuts off the ear, and Jesus is the one of peace, healing correcting Peter. Jesus is the one with, with Pilate. Pilate's fighting him, says, don't you know I have the power to have you crucified? And Jesus says, you would have no power of me unless it were given to you from above. And Jesus, Jesus is not the one who's quick to fight. Jesus is the, has the prince of peace, even on a cross, speaking, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And the shock and the amazement of someone who's able to have such forgiveness and peace. Contrary, not just to our culture, this is contrary to our flesh. This is, I mean, worldwide, this is hard to live. This, this takes something supernatural. I like the way that Eugene Peterson in his paraphrase said it this way. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's hard. Why? Because man, all of us want to compete. All of us want to fight. And then we want to find Bible verses to justify it. Because we go, oh, how dare you? You hurt me. You lied about me. 
You spoke negatively about me to other people and it wasn't even true or it was true or you stole from me or you took what I think was rightfully mine or you fired me. And it's easy for us to just take this one, delete it and go, I'm out on that one. I'm going to, and slowly we become just like the world. But here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, happy, lucky, fortunate, those who are peacemakers. And I think when I look at this, there's a few things I want us to see. I think it's tempting for us to think, okay, lucky are the peacemakers for they, if I'll do that, then I'll be a child of God. But pull back and let's just go for just a second. This is, this is not, if I do that, then I'm a child of God. I, I want you to see it from a different lens. I want you to see it that these peacemakers are the people that look like their father. So, 1 Thessalonians 5, all throughout the scripture, we find that he's a God of peace. And now Paul says, may the God of peace sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless till his return. He is the God of peace. Jesus is the Prince of peace. And so when you personify peace, you're, you're carrying on the family attribute. You're acting like a child of God. That's what he's like. So Jesus he shows us, second person of the Trinity, God incarnate. We see what peace looks like, but he is the God of peace. And even when you go back to the garden, before sin enters the world, it's a place of peace. When you look at Revelation 21, where everything ends and every tear will be wiped away. When we look at the eternal state, it's a place of peace. So how God designed it, what God is like, what God wants is peace. And, but when sin enters the world, then all of a sudden blame starts. Then all of a sudden you got Adam saying, <laughs> blame it on the woman. Then all of a sudden you've got Cain killing his brother Abel, violence, tit for tat, blame, murder, hate. And Jesus enters into our world. And Jesus, not only is our example of peace, but Jesus is the way that we have peace with God. Romans 5 reads like this says, therefore, since we have been justified, ooh, I like this better, it's bigger, been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That, that, that's, that's the place where we find peace is through Christ. So let, let's go after this idea of Jesus being our peace, Jesus is our example of peace, and I wanna, I wanna go after this idea, how, how do I develop peace? How do I walk in it? What does it look like for me to have peace? peace. How do I actually do it? Got the idea. Jesus is my peace. Got it. Okay, great. Angie's my example. Got it. How do I live in it? A few, a few hints. Number one is this. A peacemaker resembles their father. I, uh, I took Adeline with me um, a few years ago. We're on a trip and we go to United Airlines, the lady at the gate. I, I swipe on my phone, my ticket. And then she looks at me and she looks at Adeline and she's just holding the scanning gun and she says, all right, and now the ticket for your mini-me. And you, of course, yeah, that's how I felt. Oh, you made my day. I will be talking about this for years, right? Come on, she looks like you. That's your mini-me, what's up? That's, that makes me feel so good. I love that, come on. That's the way that your father feels. It says, hey, when you demonstrate peace in the midst of pain, chaos, you're tempted to be filled with revenge and hate. But when you look like Christ, when you show peace, you, you're, you look like a part of the family. You're a chip off the old block. 
That's what you're like. When I, when I was a freshman here in America, Nazarene, uh, I, I, st- I got into one of my theology classes and I just kept answering and uh, asking questions. Just kept like, and I had some specific doctrines. I just, whoa, 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 uh, hold on about that one. Wait, 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 I got a question about that. Wait, I don't understand that one. And this professor, first he kind of liked it. And then he was starting to kind of get bugged by it. And I was like, well, how come this? And how come that? And how come this? And how come that? Then he came in one day and he said, hey, David, you never told me you were Hal Perkins' son. And I was like, was I supposed to? And he goes, well, now I understand all these questions. This is what Hal would do. And I was like, ha chip off the old blog, baby. Whoa, 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 whoa. Right? Like, let's get this figured out. But deep down, I had this delight. Like, yeah, here's the idea. Blessed, blessed, happy, fortunate are the peacemakers. For you look like the family name. This is what we do. So here's our temptation. What we're tempted to do is I'll demonstrate peace. If on the other side of my peaceful action, I can see how peace will come. Right? And so I'll have a pragmatic approach. I'll show peace. If I, if I think this relationship could be restored, if I think that this is the right thing to do in this situation, hold on a second. Motive for peace starts with something even deeper than what's the outcome going to be. The motive is Jesus is my savior. The motive is, and now may the God of peace, my father, he's filled with peace. He's the God of peace. So every time that I act in peace, I'm demonstrating what he's like. We see this in Jesus when he talks about his father. He says in John 5, 19, very truly, very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son does also. So here's, here's deep motive. So when you're in a scenario and that person has spoken negatively about you or that person has taken something from you or maybe you're in a family situation where there's no credibility to their argument but they put you in a relational space that is painful and difficult. Or maybe you're in a marriage scenario Maybe it's a, it's a scenario with a child. Maybe it's a scenario at work. And we often like to take this and say, well, I cannot see how there could ever be reconciliation. I'm going, and so we use our own pragmatic, I'll take the situation, I'll define it, and I will not demonstrate peace. I'll be tit for tat. I'll be revenge. I'll be just like the world because I can't see how it could play out anyway. Yet you're the most like your father. You're the most like the family name. When your motive is not your own intellect, but the family character. This is, this is who we are. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. They look like the family name. This is who they are. They're a chip off the old block. Second idea is this. And this is just as I wrestled with this this week. A, a, a peacemaker labors for unity. It's work, and that's the point I wanna, it's not easy. Like to live this way intentionally in the midst of hardship when people have rejected you, when people are saying mean things about you, when people have stolen from you, when you feel like you have a reason to not have a peaceful mentality, to make peace in a, in a scenario, that's, that's work. That's hard to live out. Here's the definition of peacemaker. One who seeks to end strife and establish harmony, particularly between oneself and one's neighbors. Let me just show you this story. Because Jesus labors, intentionally works, embraces the difficulty to make peace. Look at this. Verse 13. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him 
And he began to teach them as he walked along. He saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have, come to call the right, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So here's Jesus. And he's bringing in, as a rabbi in that day, first century, would never sit and eat with tax collectors and sinners. Sinners our context, we would say, I mean, sexually immoral sinners would have been the context in the first century. It would have been people that chose a life of sexual sin. And here's Jesus and he's feasting and he's got, he's intentionally bringing together. I mean, you talk about a challenging scenario. You talk about someone who's working and the religious people say, what are you doing? And Jesus is turning enemies into guests, and guests, into family, family, friendships, it's labor, it's work, and here's Jesus, and it's no wonder that this idea of the peacemaker comes right after the pure in heart, and then leads right into persecution, because the moment that you say, there's a higher standard, I have a higher plan than all of these walls that separate us. This is who my father is. This is what I've come to do and labors to bring people together instead of to create tribalism, instead of to be separate, but to be united. That's work. That's challenging. He does it again. And he does it in who he selects as his disciples. Let's just read this. Mark chapter three says this. Verse 13, Jesus went up to the mountainside and called to him those he wanted and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. These are the 12 he appointed. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter. James, son of Zebedee and his brother John, to whom he gave the name Barjonas, which means sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who would betray him. So he brings together this Simon the Zealot and Matthew, the tax collector, different ends of the spectrum, the zealots who would have been those who their strategy was let's violently overthrow Rome. So Jewish zealots with the plan, our avenue, our strategy to get out of this place of persecution or difficulty, the occupation of the Romans that is hurting us, taxation, control, violence, is, to be, is, is violence back. And Jesus calls the zealot. And then Jesus calls the tax collector who basically said, well, it is the way that it is. I'm gonna go ahead and get in alignment with the Romans and then basically betray my own people, take money from them, live wealthy at the expense of my own people. And man, these two would hate each other. These two would be angry with, and here's Jesus. And not just, not just a dinner party, but here we have the calling together of the 12, and you've got Jesus with this spectrum. I'm just saying it takes intentionality. 
It takes work. It takes Jesus. And I think, I think when you look at our own journey to actually try to live with peace, to be a, a Christ-like example, a community within a community where Christ is what unites us, where we might have different backgrounds. Oftentimes, it takes labor. It's hard. And I don't know what those dynamics, Simon and Matthew, I don't know the interpersonal relationship dynamics. But all of us would know. It's this, it's, it's not easy. It's uncomfortable. One more story. And that's what we see in Acts 9, where Jesus tells Ananias about Saul. And he says, hey, I want you to go to him. And Ananias responds with this. You gotta be kidding me. This is the one, this man saw, he's the one who's arresting people like me. And here's Ananias' response. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, that takes work, labor, lack of comfort, faith, God at work. It's not easy. Here's the man who is persecuting Christians. Here's the man who Ananias is saying, this is the one who would arrest us. And I step into this situation, but because of Christ, I say, brother, this is what unites us is only Christ. My temptation is to divide, but because of who Christ is and Christ's command, I call you brother. By the way, quick commercial, 2023, we're going to launch a new men's event called Brotherhood. Uh, I don't care who your enemies are. We're going to be brothers. Just, there it is right there. And you can walk up, brother, brother, brother. That's that, but because here's, here's the idea. Jesus at the center. doesn't matter your background. doesn't matter what you've come from. doesn't matter your views, how, how sinful you've been. When we have Christ at the center, we have a way to walk in harmony and peace together. We have a way to walk together. Third idea is this. A peacemaker has eternity in mind. And I just put this because I think sometimes um, when it comes to peace, the temptation is to think, well, there's, um, there's really bigger things to deal with than to deal with praying for people, loving people, gentleness, kindness, uh, seems like, you know, we've got massive worldviews and, 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 and you might want to say, oh yeah, yeah. Let's not sweat the little stuff. Let's deal with the big global issues. And I, I want to value all the global issues and doing all that we can to be a light and to stand for righteousness. And probably the next beatitude, be persecuted for standing for righteousness. Got that. But when you look at our Savior and how many times people would come and they would try to pull him in. Give us your opinion on taxation. Give us your opinion on the Romans. And, and it's always this temptation to try to pull Jesus in. And Jesus constantly beats the drum of going after the heart. Over and over again. So what do you think about this taxation that Jesus says? Give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. I want to go after the heart. Over and over again, it's the story. And I'm not saying either or. I'm just talking about an issue of order. 
What's first place? If you believe that the soul of man lasts for eternity and so heaven and hell are realities, so one person's salvation, what's going on in their heart is more important than an economy or more important than a war, then you will start to see a little bit of the eternal perspective. And I just want to put in front of you, that's the way Jesus talked. Like one individual person, I mean, trillion times, a trillion years with God or separated forever and ever. And you have Jesus saying, that's what matters. So they come and they're like, hey, let's have this conversation. We don't want to be under the Roman persecution anymore. We want your opinion on Rome. We want your opinion on taxation. We want help. And Jesus, he's quick to go after what he cares about most. So David, are you saying those other things don't matter? No, I think that they do matter, but I do think it's an issue of order. And I think that when we are not mostly focused on the internal heart, making disciples, what Jesus has called us to be, and helping be a light so that as many people as possible come to hear the good news of Jesus, I think we can easily get focused on those things and lose track of what's, what, what Jesus seemed to care about the most. So we keep that eternal view. We keep that view about what matters most. So how do I live this? I want to give you a few practical thoughts. Number one, okay, I want to live with supernatural peace. I want to be a peacemaker instead of respond with revenge. How do I do that? In your flesh, on your own, you will fall short. Here's the first one. You have to be authentically, genuinely spirit-filled. Like it takes God to respond that way. It takes the Holy Spirit, take up residency inside of you to respond that way. I'm telling you, you can't. I don't care how great of training you have. I don't care if you have great etiquette and you, like, you came from the Pollyanna movie. Like, it doesn't matter to me what training. You will respond in your flesh if pushed strong enough on your own. It takes God at work. This is why Galatians 5, this is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Peace. This is what Jesus says. Jesus says, my peace in the Gospel of John, he says, my peace I give you. You know why? He's looking at disciples that are going to be martyred. You need my peace. But imagine what the world says when they see people that function completely different with the peace of God. When they see you going through the crisis, you getting persecuted, you getting mocked, you not riled, somebody attacking you online, somebody stealing from you, you and you respond with peace instead of hate, that gets the world's attention. What is it about you? We would look at Jesus and we would say, I want your peace. I, how, how do I get to where? I'm literally being accused and attacked and Pilate's coming after me and I'm being arrested and I'm noticing, I mean, literally without sin, about to be put on a cross like a criminal and you're thinking about others and healing the ear. I mean, the excruciating pain of being on a Roman cross, tortured to the highest degree that they knew how, whipped and beaten. And you're noticing, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Others. John, behold your mom. Your mom. Others. It's supernatural. Oh, Jesus, I want what you have. And here's what the family looks like. The family name 
Blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called sons of God. And they shall be called children of God. Why? They got supernatural peace in the crisis. They don't respond like everybody else does in the chaotic, tit for tat, fight back, hate. It's, they're a different kind of people. I'm just telling you, whatever it takes, don't be casual about the Holy Spirit. Just, you just, listen, sometimes when you think, well, my life is so created well with my wealth, my protection, I have the right house and I have the right automobile and my kids are in the right sports and I, I have good social media. And so I, listen, every single one of us will face trials, crisis, pain. I don't care how good your life is. It takes God to respond in peace and to make peace in the midst of crisis, in the midst of pain. It takes the Holy Spirit at work through you. And when you're passive on the Holy Spirit, chances are when you face the trial, when that moment comes and those people come to arrest you or there's that attack on you, how many people have we seen freak out? Oh, the trial was too big. The crisis too big. The pain too big. Jesus told us, in this world, you will have trouble. Take heart, I've overcome. I want to encourage you. Go deep in the Holy Spirit. Be strong in fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. Get as close as you can to the Holy Spirit. When you face that difficult crisis, you're rooted, you're strong, and what flows out of you is peace instead of hate. I feel like going into like three different bunny trails right here about people that I've watched in crisis. Some respond with peace. Life suddenly in the grip, staring death in the face, and some have peace. Peace in a storm. I've watched others. One mockery on Twitter, one false statement on Facebook, and they're ready, filled with rage. The difference? Fellowshipping transformed by knowing, walking with Christ. You need a supernatural relationship with God in order to function supernaturally when the chaos comes. So don't be casual about the Holy Spirit. Be intentional. Go after it. I want the fullness of what you have for me. I want the fruit, the evidence, the result of dialoguing, walking with God. I love this here, right here where you've got the, this little story about... Um, these brothers called sons, of the, called sons of Thunder. Because that would have been a phrase referring to big personalities that would want to take revenge or fight or compete. In fact, these were the guys that did compete. James and John were the ones that said, hey, Jesus, we want to be the greatest in the kingdom. That's who they were, James and John. These sons of thunder, we just, we just read that. And yet, we watch them over time be transformed, filled with the Holy Spirit to where they end up laying their lives down. Acts 12, James martyred. John ends up being on the island of Patmos. Not martyred, but suffering. A, a transformation. Listen, 
God can transform. The Holy Spirit at work inside of you can transform even the most abrasive, mean, revenge-filled person. Second is this. And I don't mean for this to sound humorous. It's going to sound humorous for just a second, but let me tell you what I mean by it. But do what you can. Do what you can. Listen to Paul. He says this, Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Here's why. Well, every relationship, there's two people, right? So you, you're not in control of the situation. You as far, but as far as it depends on you, to the length that you can go, do what you can do. So you can't, people have free will. You can't, you can't make somebody be at peace with you. But as far as it depends on you, the word of God tells us, do what you can. I, uh, my brother Dan is a pastor in Colorado now. And we were work, uh, working on an internship together in the early 2000s. And we were working on the slogan. And I, I, for, for the internship, so, you know, the slogan, like I was trying to get young adults to give their lives to Jesus and lay their lives down. And so created this graphic and had this kid who was just like this, just like praying. And then this other kid that was looking at um, these, this mountain region was going like this and was praying over the mountains. But I put on there, draw closer, go further. And I, it was like, this one kid was like super like muscle bound dude. And this one was like this girl with tears in her eyes, just praying like this. And I was like, I love this. Draw closer, go further. And my brother, Dan goes, David, this is pretty intense. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, I think, I think we should just not have something quite, I don't know, not quite so intense. And I was like, well, what slogan do you think we should do? And he says, I think you should just say the furnace, do what you can, you know? And, and so we, we started to joke around about like, should we do like intense, draw closer, go further? Or should it just be, hey, do what you can. And uh, anyway, first service laughed. I don't know why you didn't laugh at that. Um, but here's, here, here's, here's the principle I want you to see. It's just this. It's as far as it depends on you. As far as, as, far as what God can do through you. As far as it depends on you, do what you can. Last idea is this. Real practical. And that's, I want you to think in terms of not just you, but us, not just you as you as an individual believer, but as a community of peace. So I put in here, be a small piece, P-I-E-C-E of the reigning community of peace. Um, because all of us working together is what's needed to create a community that is fundamentally different than the tit for tat way of the world, the revenge filled way of the world. My son, um, Justice when he turned 10, it was right during the middle of the pandemic. And so for his 10th birthday, um, I decided to get him a puzzle of pictures of he and I, which I thought was brilliant, um, except for that it turns out to do that puzzle, it was like all flesh colored because it was like all of our faces over and over again. So it made it really difficult. But it was um, 1,014 pieces. You guys can put that photo up here if you can. It was 1,014 uh, uh, pieces. And my kids joke around that only in a pandemic uh, would dad actually spend every night working on a puzzle, right? It's like the opposite of my personality. But Justice and I put this puzzle together and then the kids would want to like watch a movie or something. I was like, eh, nah, we're working on this puzzle. This is hard, right? Because you lose one, you lose one piece, P-I-E-C, one piece of the puzzle and it's incomplete. And here's what I would encourage you with, right at Radiant, got services on Sundays, got prayer meetings on Wednesdays, 
We've got small groups all across the city. We're developing outreach teams to serve all over. We've got events for men and events for women and events for teenagers. And when you and I say, I'm going to function in my flesh, revenge, hate, bitterness, then a whole environment that is meant to show peace can create a lack. And I want to invite you. You might think, what does it matter? What do my, my little yes towards like kindness, showing peace, greeting kindly, praying for people. But you are always, you're, you're, every time that you say yes, it feels like this little tiny piece, this little tiny thing. What? And the enemy would come along and say, you don't matter. Who cares about your little attitude? The enemy comes along and says, it doesn't matter your little text of revenge. It doesn't matter your little come. It doesn't matter the way that you treat. No, no, no. It takes all of us together. It takes all of us together walking, functioning. Not, I'm not saying perfect, but we've, we've got a vision to be people filled with peace. We've got a vision in the chaos of our culture to be a place where people walk in. I was talking to someone recently that said, when I come to Radiant, I can't believe just the culture. It's just so different. And I said, it's the Holy Spirit. I said, it's, there's a difference between when you just gather together in the name of God, but you're not transformed by God. So there's a banner that says church, or there's a banner that says God people, but you get around and they're just like everyone else. But you get into an environment where people are walking with God. And people are saying, I want to be transformed and live a supernatural life so that there's actual love, there's actual joy, there's actual peace, there's actually meekness, there's actually purity in heart, there's actually that poor in spirit, there's actually some of those attributes, and it becomes so attractive. Because you want to get around that. You, it, because, because it's a completely different environment. It's the people of God. It's the people of peace. 2007, December 9th, I told you this before, there's a shooting on our church campus where I was an associate pastor before. And I saw two different kinds of people. Um, in the middle of the tragedy and the pain, I was one of the people that didn't know what to do when suddenly there's a shooter. I'm untrained. I don't, I, I do the best that I can, but all that filled my heart was fear and, and disjointed, don't know what to do. But days later, after our church had walked through the pain and the loss, we had a service where we had an, this massive section of all the first responders and medical first responders and you had police people that represented from the fire department, this massive section of first responders. And those were the people that when the rest of us did not know what to do, they showed up into the middle of what was chaos. They had been trained. They knew what to do. And so their presence created a different environment. Just them, just their presence, just them being there. You got the right trucks. You got, the, you got medical people helping the wounded. You got policemen bringing order. All of a sudden, there's someone to push back 
the shooters, and their presence created an entirely different atmosphere. Listen, we are the people who have spent time with Jesus. We are the people who have been filled with the Holy Spirit. We are the people that when there is chaos in the culture, our presence shows the personality of Christ to the world. Our presence shows this is how you respond. This is who we are. This is what happy, lucky, fortunate are those who have peace. It's not my own personality. It's not introvert, extrovert. It's not Enneagram. It's not disc test. It is, this is Christ in me, Christ at work, and I can respond in a hate-filled, revenge-filled, tit-for-tat-filled world with peace. So that then a broken world goes, what, what is it about you? Don't you just think, I think if you and I could have seen Jesus, we would go, I want your peace. Jesus said, my peace, I leave you. That's what he says to his disciples, my peace. And if you see it on display, those disciples were like, I need some of that. Because on my own, I'm tempted to flee. I'm tempted to pull out a sword, cut off ears. I'm tempted to run away. But Jesus was different. And I'm just telling you, Jesus is our example. Jesus is our peace. Jesus is showing peace to the world through us right now. So we can't look like the world. So we got to be different. We got to fundamentally be different. We got to have a work of God inside of us. So my, my closing is just this. Don't be casual. It's not even, if I'm in this situation, I'll respond this way. I'll memorize this. I'll re read these books. No, you need God at work. Grace and peace. May the God of peace fill you. The Prince of peace. Supernatural peace. <sighs> so that you make peace. Peace inside of me and in the circumstances that I go into. I'm not here for revenge. I'm not here to prove my way. I'm not here to try to show you that I'm somebody. No. Dead to me. Christ has taken up residency inside of me so I can be a peace bringer. I can be a peace establisher. I can be a peace maker, no matter the crisis. Amen? Will you stand with me? Let's pray together. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we ask that you would help us to be a people that show the peace of Christ in a world filled with revenge and hate. I pray that the way that this church responds online would be a people of peace and that we would make peace. We pray that this church would be a people on the roads, in the stores, in the businesses, in the high schools, in the junior highs. Make us a people of peace, God. I'd like to invite you to just take a moment and I wanna encourage you to take one area of your life where the Holy Spirit is encouraging you to make peace. Could be a relationship. Could be within your work or your family. Could be a, a maybe it's a place where you've been showing anger, revenge, and bitterness. Just let the Holy Spirit highlight one part of your life 
Maybe you're online or in the room today and you would define your life as no peace. You would define your life as someone who says, I, I currently am, have no peace, but I desire peace. It's good news for you. The gospel is good news. Jesus is our peace. And Jesus came to earth and he paid a debt that you owed but could not pay. And you can have peace with God. You can have supernatural peace on the inside. And no matter the circumstance you walk through, you can have peace through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Today, if you'd like to begin a journey of following Jesus, making him your savior and your Lord, I wanna invite you to pray this prayer. This isn't all that you pray. This isn't the, the end. This is just the beginning. But start a relationship with Jesus. I'd like to invite you to pray this. Jesus, change me. Save me. Heal me. I don't want to be the Lord of my life. I don't want to be the boss. You be my Lord. You be my Savior. And you fill me with your peace. Turn this fearful heart into a peaceful heart. That I might spend eternity with God. That I might have a relationship with God. I give you my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to invite the ushers to come forward. We're going to sing one more worship song. And I love as we give today. Let's just, just engage with me just a little bit longer. and Let's sing this worship song. And here's... We go, Katie, we go God of Revival. Can we go God of Revival? All right. We're going to go uh, God of Revival. Here's, here's, I, I want this to be like, God, revive me. Get me out of living in my flesh. Spirit of God, do this in me, something fresh. Father, we love you today. God, we give cheerfully, gladly. Man, we love being the people of God. We'd rather be followers of Jesus. We'd rather be walking with Jesus. Rather know God than live in the ways of the world. Thank you, Lord God, that you're at work in us. Oh, we need God. We are broken, weak. We need God. But we come before you today and we know where to ask. We know where to seek. We know where to knock. We're asking, oh God, come. Give us supernatural peace in the pain, peace in the chaos, peace in the rage so that we can stand as the people of God in crisis, in pain, in a world gone crazy and point people to Christ. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would use every man, every woman, every young adult, every child in this house to be a person that embodies the peace that makes no sense. The peace that transcends all understanding. The peace that to the world just, how do you do that? How do you live like that? God at work. Do it in us, oh God. We love you. In Jesus' name.